This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Yes, um, Vincent A. Cianci Jr., um, C-I-A-N-C-I. Did you raise your right hand? Your silence with testimony shall give before the stand very touching any crime in the community you may be inquired about, shall be the truth of the truth, and the truth will help you guys. I do. First of all, my lawyers have advised me not to answer any questions. But I think you can be fair with me, so I've decided to tell you some things that are embarrassing to me and to my family in the hope that you will understand what happened on that Sunday. This proceeding is a secret one. And but for that secrecy, I would not be telling you this. I have a family I want to put back together, regardless of what happened. There are a lot of things that could have brought Mayor Vincent Buddy Cianci down. His failed bid for governor, the city's financial crisis, and those dark deals with the mob. But what did finally get him was an incident that happened one Sunday night, March 20th, 1983, at Buddy's house on Power Street. Today's episode, The Fall of Buddy Cianci. Well, the first fall. I'm Zach Stewart-Pontier. And I'm Mark Smerling. Welcome to Crime Town. Two years ago, they kind of stole the stuff. But I can tell you tonight that we have won the mayorship for another four years. Buddy was talented, was smart, and possessive. The city of Providence was his mistress, you know. I have never met a politician in my life that wakes up in the morning, pours coffee, and says, what can I do to help the elderly this morning? They always have an ulterior motive, whether it's their own ego, whether it's their own power. So when you woke up in the morning, what was your motive? When I woke up... Nothing but ego and power. Really? That's it. And what were they scared of? (laughs) They were scared of Buddy. It was very clear to me that they were scared of Buddy. Nobody had to discover Buddy as being corrupt. Everybody knew Buddy was corrupt. This is Dennis Aiken, the FBI agent from the end of Episode 5. The one hunting Buddy Cianci. People in the city would know he was corrupt, but he was a good guy. 
you know what I mean? Because that's the story side here. He fixed my potholes. He gave my brother-in-law a job. He helped so-and-so get on the police department. Those little things. The same way Raymond Patriarca used to do it. Aiken and other FBI agents were poking around City Hall, trying to find out just how many wise guys were on the payroll and how far Buddy's deal-making had really gone. Buddy was feeling the pressure, and it was starting to show. We heard rumors of violence, cocaine use, drug problems, that he was just really getting out of control. So it was a matter of time, we believe, before he was going to self-destruct that we may not have to ever deal with him, that he would take care of himself, you might say. And that is exactly what happened. I'm here to answer all your questions, but before I do that, I would like to make a short presentation about an aspect of this case that I don't believe you are familiar with. And I want to do the that. tape you're hearing now and what you heard from Buddy at the top of the show is grand jury testimony that has never been made public. 23 grand jurors and a couple state prosecutors are gathered in a courtroom trying to get to the bottom of what happened that Sunday night in March. Buddy told them it all revolved around his ex-wife. To begin with, I was married about 10 years ago. Like other families, we had our ups and we've had our downs, but for the most part, we shared some very rewarding experiences together. And we loved one another. In 1973, Buddy married a woman named Sheila. This is Sheila in a campaign commercial from Buddy's first run for mayor. We'd like you to meet someone we're very proud of, a man who's had power and used it with integrity, like when he was prosecutor of the state's anti-corruption strike force. We've had many conversations with Sheila, but she declined to be interviewed on tape. Here in this television commercial, she sits beside Buddy. She's blonde and beautiful, and she's holding their newborn, Nicole. He has the ability and talent to lead our city. When he's mayor, you'll be as proud of him as I am. My favorite candidate, Buddy. Several years ago, I began to detect problems in my marriage. I initially thought it was the long hours I worked and the commitments to the city that kept me from living a normal life. Then two and a half years ago, my wife asked me for a divorce, and I was devastated. The divorce itself traumatized me. I sat alone at the dinner table. I had sleepless nights, but most of all, I had no one to share my life with. And yes, I was at an all-time low. I'm okay. Buddy's not the only one who testified before the grand jury. There were several others, including this man. I'm going to wind up using some profanity, and I apologize. I don't know if I should use it. No problem. Use it. You know, there's a lot of ladies here. Never heard it all. Oh, okay. This is Joe DeSanto. He was the director of Public Works and Buddy's close friend. DeSanto says that for him, 
the events of that Sunday night in March all began with a phone call from Buddy. The mayor calls. He starts crying. He said, I'm all alone. I just went to a divorce. Nobody wants to talk to me. He's going, baby, baby, crying. Well, I said, can you come? I said, no, please, you better come over. You're my friend. Well, I did go over. DeSanto headed to 33 Power Street, Buddy's house on the east side of Providence, an imposing fortress of a building looming behind tall iron gates. DeSanto arrived at 5 p.m. I get over there, and he was very disturbed, and he said, uh, I just found out from Ray DeLeo's niece that he's been fucking my wife. Raymond DeLeo was a wealthy contractor who Buddy had known for years. And according to the rumor Buddy had just heard, DeLeo had been having an affair with Sheila while she was still married to Buddy. Buddy was furious, chain-smoking, and ranting. And at this point, he made a fateful phone call that changed everything. He called Raymond DeLeo. I said, hello, Raymond. And he said, hello. I said, this is Buddy Cianci. How are you? He said, fine. I said, Raymond, you've been having an affair with my wife for four years, three or four years. I said to him, I want to talk to you about it. I want to see you. I said, I want you to come up here. He told Ray DeLeo, you've been screwing my wife, you've been fucking my wife, you're lower than whale shit, and oh, you name it. And he said, if you're not here by quarter past seven, uh, I'm coming down there. So anyway, he gets off the phone. And he's ranting and raving and ranting and raving. I mean, every word, uh, if you want to hear every word, rant, he fucked my wife, fucking asshole. I mean, I mean, the whole evening was nothing but fucks. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Next. Buddy called another member of his inner circle, his divorce attorney, a prominent former judge named Bill McGare. McGare told the grand jury that he arrived at Power Street around 6.30 and found Buddy in bad shape. The mayor, he was in such a state of frenzy, crying. He looked exhausted, his eyes were sunk in. I don't know this is a fact, but I imagine he never slept all night the night before. At seven, Patrolman James Hassett, a Providence cop and Buddy's driver, arrived at Power Street. The four of them, the head of public works, the former judge, the cop, and the mayor, waited for Raymond DeLeo. Buddy had told DeLeo to be there at 7.15. Again, Joe DeSanto. I'm waiting for this door to ring, waiting for this door to ring. Anyway, he's ranting and raving, ranting and raving. It's quarter past seven, the guy ain't coming. He's not asking for the time. So it gets to be like quarter to eight, ten of eight. We had convinced Buddy that we were going to go to dinner. Well, Buddy got to the point of getting his coat or what have you. At that exact moment, the door rings. Ring. I said, oh, shit. I says, oh, no, I hope it's not him. Cop answered the door. And down the corridor walked Ray DeLeo. Name and spell your last name, please. Raymond DeLeo, D-E-L-E-O. 
It's my understanding, Mr. DeRio, that when uh, you rang the doorbell at 33 Power Street, the door was opened by Patrolman Hassan. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, he turned me around up against the door, got my hands upright up against the wall, and frisked me three or four times. And the mayor told him to take me down to the living room. And well, at that point, I said, uh, what's this? Just let me out of here. Buddy's living room was large. There were statues decorating the place and art on the walls. Patrolman Hassett, in uniform and armed, led DeLeo to a wing-back chair in front of the fireplace. And according to DeLeo, Hassett stood by the door, blocking his exit. By now, it was 8.30, and Buddy began to speak. And I started a long uh, soliloquy, telling him that he really thought he was a big man because he was... Can I say what I really said? I said, you were fucking my wife and you thought you were a big man, didn't you? Joe DeSanto. You're fucking my wife, you fucking asshole. You, what are you, proud of it? Hollering like you can't believe. You know, I mean, as, as loud as I've ever heard him holler. Judge McGare. The rampage went on again. You took her to Disneyland. You took her on your boat. You bought her a fur coat, a camera, a watch. You let her use your credit card. When I'm working and running the city government night and day, you're out fucking my wife. And this went on. It was a, like a litany, a litany. Mayor Cianci. I want to know why it happened. I want to know why you didn't come to me if my wife was having problems. You're like a brother to me. And he said to me, you don't know what you're talking about. And he kept insisting that. He said, you're sick. You don't understand. He said, uh, I didn't do anything but... Uh, 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 treat you with honor and respect. And my blood started to go up higher. I struck him. There were many strikes. Ray DeLeo. He followed through with some good heavy punches and uh, so I never know what he was going to do, lecture or spit. Uh, he demonstrated some of the uh, inhuman things that he could capable of, surprise and stunt me. And then he immediately says, go ahead, uh, uh, hit me back and get a bullet through your head. Um, then Buddy walked over to the fireplace. There was a log. And I picked the log up, and Joe DeSanto yelled my name. I reached for him, grabbed him. I says, you put the goddamn thing down, which he did. He said, I'm not going to hit him anyway. Mind your business. And I looked at Joe, and I said, don't worry. Somebody else would use this, but I'm not. It was now 9.30, and Judge McGare had had enough. Uh, I'm 66 years of age. I was visibly upset, shaken. My head was pounding. I'm nervous. Uh, I have high blood pressure. I'm under the doctor's care. The judge at that time, he was shaking like a leaf. Blood pressure's like 220 over 112. He's on pills. And I'm afraid the guy was not going to have a stroke. I didn't want to be there, but I was. And I said, Mayor, please, let's try to straighten this out as gentlemen. 
he said uh, something that, well, he's not fucking your wife. So I get up and I motion to Joe DeSanto to go into the kitchen. Judge motioned, we went into the kitchen. One thing I remember, I opened the refrigerator and there was a box of Oreo cookies. There was no food in the house, but uh, a little tin box there, there was some Oreo cookies in there. They were stale, I ate some of those. He ate three rows of Oreo cookies. I mean, like, you can't believe. I went in the bathroom, and uh, there was towels in there. I had put towels all over me. At times, I would, whatever I could hear, I would block my ears like this. This thing was uh, getting out of hand. It was a crazy situation. So Joe DeSanto decided they needed some help. I said, Judge, we better get all of Herb. I mean, this is a, this is ridiculous. Herb is Herb Simone, a former attorney general. He was Buddy's mentor from his days as a prosecutor. DeSanto and McGare hoped he might act as a peacemaker, so they made the call. He says, Herb, will you please come over here? These guys are having a battle. They're blasting each other. They're fighting. It's all over, Sheila. Come over. They're both your friends. They're friends. He said he was on his way. Herb D. Simone arrived at 10.30. Herb D. Simone walks in. He said, what's going on? When Herbert come in, his presence, instead of being a, uh, a peacemaker, unfortunately, stirred up the mayor again. What do you mean, what's going on, Herb? You introduced me to this rotten son of a bitch. He's your friend. You knew he was fucking my wife. I got the evidence. You're no good, Herb. This and that. Well, buddy, please stop. Please stop. I, I, I move. Everybody's crying in here. Buddy's crying. Herb's crying. I mean, what the hell are the judge and I going to do? Now they start hugging him and Herb. Buddy, please don't do this. Buddy's crying. He fucked my wife. Oh, mud on to me. This is like dynasty. This is like dynasty when you add the players up. And you people think, just think a mayor, attorney general, a department of director of public works, a judge. A po- I mean, this is like dynasty. I mean, you read this in books. Anyway... All of a sudden, there's a cigarette. After the break, a cigarette. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to 33 Power Street, where Buddy Cianci invited a former judge and the director of public works to attend the beating of Raymond DeLeo. They, in turn, invited a former attorney general. An armed police officer stood by the door. We picked things up around 10.30 p.m. when Buddy lit a cigarette. I was smoking a cigarette, and he infuriated me. What happened? Uh, I believe he got, a, he got a burn on his face. How many times did the man try to burn you with a cigarette? Two occasions, and one time he, he did succeed in hitting your eye. Yeah. 
as he told me, he was going to blind me. He was going to poke a cigarette in my eye. I smoked with my right hand and I went like that. But I didn't stick it at him or, or, or do anything else with it but one time uh, come at him. Um, uh, and if I sit here and told you that I was not mad, that I was not aggressive, then I would be lying to you. I was. He was burned with a cigarette. And that's what happened. The mayor of Providence, torturing a man with a lit cigarette, holding him against his will. Joe DeSanto. Buddy calls the cops for a drink. It's like a valet, go get me a drink, go get my shoes. Gives Buddy a drink. Buddy told to drink it, Raymond. As the liquor dripped down DeLeo's face, you can imagine the other four men looking on, trying to figure a way out. Buddy, he may have felt that way too, because he summoned the two lawyers, DeSimone and McGair, to the kitchen to talk options. DeLeo was left in the living room with the cops standing guard. And after chatting with the lawyers for a while, Buddy offered DeLeo a proposition. In a sense, you're going to sign a confession here before you leave tonight. Uh, and you're going to agree to pay me $500,000 uh, if I didn't do the things he wanted that I could very well be found down by the river with a bullet in my head. I want a check, a $500,000 check. I want a certified check by Friday or you're dead, T-E-D. Did you tell me if you didn't get $500,000 by a certain day, you was going to be dead, T-E-D? I might have said that, but I, I had no intention of, of, of killing anybody or no intention of, of, of I say, people say that all the time as far as we were in emotional states. But in the state I was in, I could have said almost anything. I told him that I thought by Friday, I said by Friday, I want about $500,000. Clearly, this wasn't just about hurt feelings. Buddy wanted DeLeo to pay him $500,000. That's the amount that Buddy said he paid Sheila in the divorce settlement. At this point, DeLeo would agree to almost anything. So he said he would get the $500,000 by Friday. Joe DeSanto. Finally, looked like they were ready to go. I walk over. Raymond looked shattered, humiliated. He had a mock. His face was red. What have you? I said, Raymond, can I give you a ride home? The night was finally over. Over the years, there's been a lot of speculation about Buddy's behavior that Sunday on Power Street. Buddy portrayed himself as a jilted husband, emotional and out of control, blindsided by this rumor of his wife's affair with his best friend. In fact, Sheila and Buddy had been separated for almost two years. Their divorce delayed only for appearances, so Sheila would be by Buddy's side during his 1980 run for governor, and then again for mayor in 1982. And Buddy was notoriously unfaithful. Were you ever involved with any women during the course of your marriage, man? Not gonna lie to you, of course I was. <clears throat> How many men? I never had any long affairs. I don't blame Sheila that much for doing what she did. 
But you, you know, were part of it. That evening, though. I mean, that's really the point of why we're here, not because, because it was a friend. Susan, it was a close, personal friend. It's a person who I thought was my brother. And why didn't she come to me and tell me that she was having this long affair? And she did you tell your wife you were having affairs? No. Well, why should she tell you? I wasn't having affairs. You said you were. No, not an affair. Not the, not a long, not drawn out. Okay, well, DeLeo never paid Buddy the $500,000, and he maintained to the grand jury that he and Sheila never had an affair, that they were only friends, and that she needed a friend, because Buddy could be violent, even with her. Everything I've done to understand, and some of the things that Mrs. Cianci has said, and how she was abused by him, uh, uh, to the point of uh, attempting to strangle her at one point, he's... Uh, uh, he needs to be looked at, uh, and I'm saying that seriously, and I think from a psychiatric point of view, uh, the guy is just becoming a nut. The guy is just off his rockies, doing a lot of crazy things. And it's not the same guy that I first knew something like 15 years ago. Good evening. A statewide grand jury has indicted Providence Mayor Vincent Cianci on charges including extortion, kidnapping, and assault. The, the allegations against the mayor come from this man, Bristol contractor Raymond DeLeo. The attack left DeLeo with internal bleeding in his right eye, headaches, a black eye, contusions to his skull and face, contusions on his right leg, a concussion and possible broken nose. Mayor Cianci really stunned a packed courtroom in Providence when he changed his plea of innocent to the six-count indictment that he faced and pleaded no low contendere, basically saying he was guilty to two of those counts. Your Honor, if there was a day in my life that I could live over again, it would be March 20th, 1983. On that day, I behaved in a way uncharacteristic to my nature. I'm sorry for that behavior. I always have been sorry for that behavior because I inflicted harm on a man who was my friend for 15 years. Mayor Buddy Cianci received a five-year suspended sentence for his assault on Raymond DeLeo. He avoided prison, but now he was a convicted felon. Providence is essentially two hills on either side of a river. On one side is Federal Hill, mob boss Raymond Patriarca's domain. The other bank is the east side, where Power Street is, and where the doctors, lawyers, and professionals live. Caught between these two hills was Buddy. Ten years earlier, as a newly elected mayor, he had promised that he would clean up the city. But now, he was being forced from office as a violent criminal. Buddy did change Providence, but Providence also changed Buddy. Good evening. Earlier today, I submitted a letter to the city clerk. It reads, I respectfully submit my resignation as mayor of the city of Providence to become effective at 7.59 p.m. on April 25th, 1984. One of the most painful things I have ever done was to sign that letter. I wish Godspeed to the next mayor as he takes on the heavy burdens of this office. As I lay down my burden, I say to everyone, farewell, thank you, 
and good night. Leaving the press conference in the mayor's office, Buddy waved goodbye to a small crowd of supporters. Oddly enough, he didn't seem that upset. The mayor, as usual today, was smiling, fortified perhaps by the knowledge that the city ordinance, which says that mayors who are convicted felons must be thrown out of City Hall, it doesn't say they can't run again. Next time on Crime Town, gold heists, wiretaps, and an epic game of cat and mouse that marks the beginning of the end for the mob. Tony only did big scores. So if you could just stay on Tony for a little bit without getting made, he would take us to the promised land. Town is me, Mark Smerling, and Zach Stewart-Pontier. We're produced by Drew Nellis, Austin Mitchell, and Mike Plunkett, with additional production by Laura Sim. We're edited by Alex Bloomberg and Caitlin Kenny. Additional editing by Caitlin Roberts. Fact-checking by Mick Rouse. This episode of Crime Town was mixed, sound-designed, and scored by Matthew Boll. Additional sound design by Ted Robinson at Silver Sound. Our title track is Run to Your Mama by Goat. Our credit music this week is My Buddy, covered by Rosaline Eastman, mixed by Bobby Lord. My buddy, my buddy. Original music by John Cusiak, John Ivins, Edwin, and Beanard. Additional music by Kenny Cusiak and P. Andrew Willis. Our ad music is by Matthew Bowl. Additional mixing by Martin Peralta and Enoch Kim. Our digital editor is Kate Parkinson Morgan. Our design director is Ale Lariu. Alex Bloomberg is the pod father. He can eat three rows of Oreo cookies like you can't believe. This season of Crime Town is dedicated to the memory of Zachary Malinowski. We miss you, Bill. Thanks to the Providence Journal, WPRI, Julia Haymans, Emily Wiedemann, Tim White, Dan Barry, Mike Stanton, Check out his book, The Prince of Providence. Lisa Newby, Mary Murphy, and everyone who shared their stories with us. For a full list of credits and for bonus content from this episode, visit our website at crimetownshow.com. You can find us on Twitter at Crimetown and on Facebook and Instagram at Crimetown Show. If you're enjoying Crimetown, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. Thanks. Providence is a special place and we're honored to tell a part of its story.